0: Laura buddy Josh Neighbors here. Locked on Big 12 Podcast. It is our weekly crossover edition. To my right, it is Stephen Simcox of Locked on Horn Frogs. And then below both of us, but not in our minds and hearts on par with all of us. They just don't let us put us all across the screen. It is Linda Godfrey of Locked on Pokes. We have a lot to get to tonight. Caleb Williams making things fun and interesting in his transfer decision. We're still talking about that. He is the gift that truly keeps on giving to us podcasters. And then we're going to talk about overtime roles in both college and the NFL. The conversation has been ongoing, and I want to pose a question to Linda and Steven as we move forward in the show and get their thoughts. But first, it's our intro video.
1: You are Locked On Pokes, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team. Every day,
0: all right. Uh, welcome into the sadness factory. Uh, this is because um, Stevens, TC, or Frogs are getting curb stomped by Texas. My Washington Wizards believe 30 plus point lead tonight to the very shorthanded Clippers no Paul George, no Kawhi Leonard. Um, and my Missouri Tigers came up just short 55 54 against number one team in the country. And you might say, Josh, you should be happy, but they suck overall, so can't be too pleased. Linda's not too upset. Linda, you're not too upset about anything I'm, besides your Twitter conversations tonight, which we'll get to?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm maybe. I do want to say uh, uh, last night there was a terrible car wreck in Stillwater mm-hmm. that had AJ Ferrari, the uh, wrestler, and I am forgetting his name. I should have wrote it down. It, it's Izzy it Rodriguez. I, I, Yes, thank you, a a three-time All-American cross-country runner. And then Casey Dunn pulling, he didn't know who, you know, out of a flaming car. So thankfully everything seems like it's going to be okay, but just thoughts and prayers out to everything, all those families that are dealing with that.
0: Yeah, really, really tough story to see. It was developing last night, and what a weird moment, and a great moment, the fact that it was Casey Dunn, offensive coordinator um, for the Pokes that pulled – both Ferrari and I don't know if he pulled Rodriguez out, but I know at least he pulled AJ Ferrari, who if you guys have not seen this kid, this is actually a pretty good time to check him out. Um, This kid is destined for a, and luckily we hope he still is an amazing career in either professional wrestling or um, some kind of amateur wrestling, maybe in Olympics or in some kind of combat sport that he chooses he is an amazing wrestler. Linda, you can speak to this. I mean, what is it? Uh, Reigning national champion at yeah, 77, 70, 197 pounds, I believe.
1: Yeah, and he's beyond like being a fantastic wrestler. He's yes. also, he brings so much entertainment value, which I think is a huge selling point in, in all of those things that you said, you know, guys like Conor McGregor that walk around cocky. Oh, yeah. Those guys are universally loved in that sport. So he's definitely got the character of a guy that's that's going to be very successful yeah. in that.
0: His name is also else. legitimately AJ Ferrari, and he is, as somebody who's Italian, very Italian. And I really appreciate He leans into it, too, which is awesome. Uh, also, shout out to our buddy John Williams, Locked On Sooners host. He's dealing with COVID right now. I'm not sure if anybody else in his family is, but we hope he is doing well. And also, Jake Hatch couldn't be coming with us tonight. He is busy. But we're really um, we're, we're uplifting uh, the folks who need it tonight. Uh, AJ Ferrari, C. Rodriguez, um, and also uh, our friend John Williams. All right. Speaking of John, um, the Caleb Williams saga continues. Today there was a report from On3. I forgot who it was exactly. Pardon me not knowing. Um, Bill and Bonnie. There you go. Um, and he said that Caleb Williams has interest now in Wisconsin. So th- this felt like a situation. I forgot, I forgot the data is that the kids have to register for USC by, but it's up. it's coming here pretty soon. Wisconsin is in the mix then, Bud Elliott on the cover three podcast had mentioned that, um, LSU. And I think he had said Miami, maybe I'm not sure, but I know at least LSU is in the mix. So friends, this now becomes a really interesting conversation because it feels like things are opening up. Uh, uh, Stephen, Steven, I'll, I'll, pitch it to you here and say, are we just setting up? Is this just still that posturing is continuing to get him a better deal overall or deals, plural, I should say. Uh, at USC, or is there really something going on here in your opinion?
2: No, I think we're at the point now where it's safe to say there's something going on. Now, he could still definitely end up at USC, but if this was a slam dunk, just go reunite with your old coach, get back on the West Coast, play in the Pac-12, uh, I think it would be a done deal by now. And I, I can't imagine, like, I don't know what – here's the odd thing about in name, image, and likeness, right? Like, there's no salary cap like the NFL. So it's really hard to say, like, this is the best offer that USC could give because I guess they could at this point say, okay, we'll throw another sponsor in here or we'll give you X, Y, and Z. I feel like, though, they have sort of said their piece. Caleb knows what's going on there. He's familiar with the coaching staff. He knows what to expect at USC. So as this continues to linger, is he looking for greener pastures? Now, Wisconsin, I think, from a football perspective would make some sense like geographically, culturally, I would be surprised by that just because, you know, I don't know. I mean, I know he's a West Coast kid and he was at OU. It just seems weird that he would go the big tenor out. Um, If it truly is just about name, image, and likeness and they're the team that's willing to offer the most, then good for them. I would think from that perspective, LSU would probably have, you know, the the most enticing offer and the best resources if he wanted to go uh, to the SEC, but – no, I feel like something's going on here. I really thought that he would follow in Riley's footsteps. And, I mean, it would make some sense. The Pac-12 is struggling. He could inject some energy into that uh, conference and that university. And it feels like something is getting held up here. So I think the options are still open. And, uh, yeah, I would say if, if USC is the favorite, it's probably leaning more towards like 50% than 75 or 80% like it was like a couple weeks ago. So
0: Linda, I want to ask you about this, because this when I thought Wisconsin, I immediately thought of Russell Wilson. And if you go back and think about what sold Russell Wilson, he was pretty he was pretty open about it. He's like, they brought the offensive line in. Um now I don't think it's it's I'm not sure it's as good as it used to be, but still, Wisconsin football is Wisconsin football. What's interesting about this Wisconsin team was that if you guys remember at the beginning of the year, the whole thing about Graham Mertz was that Graham Mertz was gonna help bring this offense into the 21st century. They'd never had a quarterback like Graham for, and to some extent, that was true. Now, he was a complete disaster. But Caleb Williams is a guy who brings multiple talents in different areas, much like Russell Wilson did. Not as much of a risk taker, uh, um, Russell Wilson, as opposed to Caleb Williams. But this is kind of what I thought. Linda, am I on the right track here? That was a really awesome Wisconsin offense, with a bunch of NFLers on it, but kind of yeah. not a good... Uh, kind of a, a potential lookalike alike here in that sense.
1: There was a I saw quite a few Russell Wilson comps, like on Twitter, people talking about what Russell Wilson was able to do in college, and and obviously it's transcended in the NFL. He's on a awful team with a terrible offensive line, which is concerning. But other than that, he's clearly a stellar quarterback. My issue with the Caleb Williams thing, like. We all thought – I think we all thought he was going to go to USC and follow Lincoln Riley. I'm wondering now, like, how much – because there's been speculation that his dad has a lot to do with his decision. Are they butting heads about a decision? Is he looking at coaches that feel like they're going to be there long term? How much of getting burned at OU affects – because, you know, like, we I'm going to be the one that supports the kid this time. Sorry uh, for taking the role. But I, I just – I have to think it's more about it's got to be more than about money right now with how long it's taken for him to make a decision. I, I feel like he is maybe actually weighing some decisions. Yeah, I
0: think, you know, and look, as the as the resident, like you guys are not old, but like as the resident youngest person here, um, you know, Walk I'm, yeah, I'm going <laughs> no, I'm the, I am the youngest person here. That is, that is factual. As the resident youngest person here, you know, I go back and think about myself at that age. Why? While, while I need some time to make a decision, everybody's different. But usually at this point in time, you have a decision made. And also, the reason why I would say this, and it's a good point you made, a lot of kids make this choice in a shorter amount of time. Now, I know he is a special example, a special case. But do we think, like, the Arch Manning thing is going to be this long, drawn-out saga? I mean – the kid it's not a sock at this point. Cause the kids, what he's 15, 16 years old. So like, he's just a high school at this point and options are presenting themselves. But you know, I know recruitment's go on like this all the time, but for him, I am, you know, I'm super pro player, but there becomes a certain point where it feels like they're, they're taking this a bit too far. I am all for getting as many good offers as possible, but could this have not happened a little bit earlier in the process? Right. Could we not have been facilitating things a bit earlier on now to the point where I feel like they're up against the clock here with getting them into class? And also, I don't necessarily think it's a good look that some of these schools are in session. Some of these guys are in class. Some of these guys are in uh, weight room type situations. I know it's not life's not fair, but some of these teams are already starting to build some chemistry and starting to come together and starting to do some of these things. Not an excellent look. If you come in a little bit later, the hotshot quarterback says, "Hey fellas, I'm here. Good to see you guys. How are the first two weeks of class? Y'all, y'all have fun. You guys have fun starting class wanna... Steven, whatnot." Stephen, am I am I a little off here? Because you know me, I'm pretty pro player. But are we hitting a point now where it's become all right? It's all right. You, you gotta. I appreciate the content, man. But like, we gotta start making a choice here soon.
2: Yeah, I mean, I see what you mean. I think the disconnect here is. So these guys are supposed to be student athletes, but obviously, like Caleb Williams is majoring in football. Like he's going to be at whatever school he's at for two more years, then he's looking to go to the NFL. I think another loophole I heard about today is so. And I'm not singling this guy out. I just this is what I know, so I'm going to use him as example. Oshon Mathis, good defensive end at TCU. He is apparently using. His scholarship at ECU right now, he's going to go through the spring semester, go through classes, not practice with the team because he's in transfer in the transfer portal, but he's going to use up a scholarship and then he's going to transfer at the end of the spring semester. So, like, he's using his football scholarship, he's not training with the team, and then he's going to go somewhere else after being just a student for a couple of months, which, hey, if that's an opportunity you have, I think that's more, it's, it's within your right to take it and good for you it's just it's another aspect of this where it's like I think we push so so we push for so long at the idea of well coaches get to do whatever they want you know players are bringing in all the revenue they don't have any autonomy and so it's sort of inched closer and closer also another factor is the NCAA just sort of sat on their hands and didn't do anything about this and then Boom, like name, image, and likeness, transfer portal, freedom of movement all came at one time, and now you have this scenario where there's a lot of unintended consequences to some good things that are happening. And, yeah, it does stink. Like, you know, there's some – like if he ends up at uh, Wisconsin in a month or so, then Graham Mertz has been there going through the offseason program. There's probably, you know, a freshman down there that's been grinding through film and looking at the weights uh and he's not gonna get he's not gonna get a fair shake because caleb williams is walking the door and he's probably gonna be the starter and that is an issue and there's there's probably need to be some regulation here but i feel like i'm not so concerned about it big picture wise because i think we're talking about a small portion of you know college
0: athletics that wield this type of power
2: right like yes
0: I think you're right. I just want to bring this up is that – so Like, let's just say he picks USC, right? And I, I think there's a chance that public perception on him turns because he's got a ch- – I mean, he had a couple of games this year, guys, quite frankly, that were like complete you-know-waters. Like they were complete crap. That first half against Kansas was embarrassing. I thought it was an embarrassing first half, particularly for him. Um, Baylor, that was a pretty embarrassing performance. Like they had his number pillar to post. Second half of the Oklahoma State game, they had him. They had him not as Baylor had him seeing ghosts. Uh, Oklahoma State not as much. Thing was a little closer. But like, what if he drops a couple of those off the bat? Like that's good. like people would be like, so this this guy had us waiting for a month, comes here and shows up. I just think it's important that that these things are taken stock of. Like I'm not my opinion on him is not going to change. I'm I'm I think we're all pretty familiar with this process now. This especially his hearing about his father, hearing about some of the demands, hearing that they want, like, look, this is not really driven by him. But this feels like, to me, it's putting him in a situation where if he sucks the first couple of weeks, like the pressure's going to ratchet up on him and it might not be in a way that's going to be constructive because of this process right now. Linda, do you feel like that's, that's – Yeah, potentially- unfortunately,
1: yeah, as a football fan, you guys know how reactionary fans can be of specific teams. Today I saw people under the the rumor that Wisconsin was on the radar for Caleb Williams. People were like, "Oh well, he could just go there because we have insert whoever you know whatever school thinks that they have a shot at Caleb Williams, current starting quarterback." And I'm going like, I think Caleb Williams is like one of those quarterbacks in college where you it's pretty much an upgrade. I mean, if you've got Alabama and Ohio State, are the only. Very yeah. few schools that it's not an upgrade to go to Caleb Williams. So, I mean that rhetoric is already out there, and it's going to increase tenfold if there's even an a like a tiny bit of of a bad game. It's well, didn't
0: Oklahoma fun. fans try this too? They they tried to do the whole thing where they were like, "Yeah, we're better off now." Steven, go ahead. Yeah, you can see you got some. No, well I, I like this point you brought up, though, Josh, because it
2: made me think about. And we didn't really see this last year, but I remember when Nick Saban said, oh, Bryce Young has, you know, whatever it was, like nine figures worth of name, image, and likeness money at SEC Media Days. And everyone was sort of like, oh, wow, well, that went under the radar. And one of my first thoughts was, what if he's bad? Like, and he was great, but what if he goes out there and suddenly has three or four bad games? Because one, one thing about the coaches getting paid is that most of the time in college football – if a team sucks, the blame shifts pretty much squarely on the coach. Like people blame the players, sure, but for the most part it's like, okay, this coach is awful, this coaching staff is bad, there's no accountability, whatever, we need to change that. If all of a sudden, you know, Caleb Williams has a couple car dealerships that give him cash basically to do whatever, essentially nothing, he's playing poorly, how much scrutiny is on him, how much criticism is levied his way, like, there's a fair amount of that already. I just – I worry about guys and, you know, getting put in that pressure cooker. And it comes with the territory, the I are, guess. Yeah. But it's it's an unfortunate DJ Well,
0: DJ Leungle is a good case of this, right? I mean, the Doc Pepper commercial that we all saw. And from the outset, it was a rough season for DJ. I mean, that Georgia game was a nightmare. And it, it really never got that much better for him throughout the course of the season. So – but, like – I think the people would say to counter us, well, you guys want a professionalism and these kids are gonna get you know they're gonna get hammered like professionals. But also at the same time too, I think these businesses should see the inherent risk of trusting a college kid. They're kids, they're still growing up. There's like they're still gonna go through these learning these learning uh, you know, paths or, or you know, kind of experiences. And so like when you're investing in a kid, that's very much what you're investing in, right? This is this is the same for a lot of um um totally forgetting her name um uh, Simone Biles like this is a very good example right do you think a lot of the people do you think uh, who is it american express uh, one of the cards i forget which card sponsors her do you think they were thrilled when she was sitting out in the olympics and 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 was going through that you know that kind of mental strife that she was going through no they they probably weren't but like you have to show some some combat and there were a lot of people out there who were hammering her for that stuff it was it people was pretty awful to like see. that yeah. it, it was it was pretty awful to see right I think I think with what we're seeing now, like there is a definite avenue. And I think there's actually a good candidate for this in the Big Twelve, the University of Texas next year playing quarterback. Like there are some definite situations where what we're talking about right here could come up. I think I think you're spot on, Steven. I, I just I hadn't even thought of situations like that when we started this conversation. But now I'm thinking like, you know, what what is the appropriate line of scrutiny? for somebody who is between the ages of 18 and 22 or even 23, 24. At what point do we look back at ourselves at those ages and say, hold on here. All right. Hold on. You know, think, think about all the accomplishments that Kale Williams already has. Like that Texas game was one of the more impressive things I've ever seen in my entire life. That throw that he ripped. I, think, I forget who it was. It caught the ball. Maybe Marvin Mims that he just ripped toward the corner was like a one in a million throw. And so what point can we like appreciate the kids? You know, put some criticism on them, but still be fair to who they are as people at that point in their lives. I don't know. I find this all fascinating. Does anybody else want to build off what I said, or do we want to move on from this?
1: I just think we have to keep in perspective that, like, while like we look at the full numbers and everything, and we're diving deep into why these guys choose schools, a lot of fans are just looking at, you know, he plays for this school. Listen, I know some Oklahoma state fan accounts just specifically on Twitter that are uh, not kind people. So it, it definitely, there are some bad fans. So we just have to make sure we even out whatever terrible scrutiny gets put on kids with like a, a regular amount of, he yes. should have thrown the ball out of bounds but without like calling him names and stuff. Like my preseason
0: questioning of Max Duggan, right? That's, that's, that is that's the appropriate level. Uh, Steve, anything else before we hear a quick word from our sponsor? No, I think this is you know a good conversation.
2: And I don't have a, a great answer for you. Like typically right. I'm I'm in the side of these kids are pretty much off limits. Like we can criticize their play on the field, but that's about as far as it goes. But it does get murkier when you're talking about um, making a living off of it. Even brands Even with the age. The They're brands brand. now, right? And brands and you know. And so what if somebody has a weekly radio hit and they're struggling, all of a sudden they don't want to do it, you know, kind of going back to that Simone Biles conversation, like what is the responsibility of these uh, young people in, in some of those situations? It's going to be interesting to see it play out, but for Caleb's sake, yeah, I think eventually you just have to make a decision and, run with it but that's that's gonna be his choice not ours i can't
0: wait to see OU you you fans support him at wisconsin and, and then just be indifferent if he's at usc right because th- i mean at this point they're like we really just want to hose uh lincoln Riley as yeah fun. that yeah. is that is their goal uh, all right here quick word from our sponsors our friends at built bar go to built.com today that's built.com you guys can check out their line of built bars built bars can be a great part of any new year's Resolution. Replace the candy bar with a built bar. It tastes just as good and it's much better for you. Most built bars have 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four grams of net carbs, 17 grams of protein, and once again, much better than a candy bar. Double candy candy bars have 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. So go to built.com today. That's built.com. You guys can check their extensive line of built bars. That they've got right now. Use the promo code Lock15. L O C K E D 15. L-O-C-K-E-D 15. Lock 15 for 15% off at built.com today. All right. So we're coming off the heels of a uh, magical weekend of playoff, NFL playoff football. And that got us thinking about overtime rules as a whole. All right. People are clamoring for change, the 10-minute overtime rules. Um, I will ask you all this first question, all right? Which current format do you like more, the NFL overtime or the college overtime? Let me, let me, let me set this up further. Current, for those of you who don't know, current pro, I'm sure most of you do. Current pro overtime is a coin toss. All right. Whoever wins the coin toss will usually receive. If the team that receives scores a field goal, the other team is going to get the ball, the chance to continue on, tie, win the game, whatever. Uh, if that team receives the ball, scores a touchdown, the game is over. It is, it is, it is, it is it's the end of the contest. All right. In the NFL, I believe if you hit the first overtime ending, correct me if I'm wrong. Do they reset or do they continue play where they are? Do we know on this? Uh, I think. Okay, they- what's the question? Once they hit the end of the 10 minute overtime period, do they continue from where they are or do they reset?
2: Oh yeah. I don't know. There very often. Now, we haven't gotten there yet. right? We haven't, right? Gotten, there. We we haven't gotten there in a playoff
0: was. game yet. Uh, uh, all right. Well, so let me, I'll research that in a second. I'll talk to you guys about this. but um, the college overtime, we all know this pretty well. Each team gets the ball on the 25 yard line. It's also determined to get the ball first by a coin toss. Um, if you go to a second overtime, you are required to go for two after a score. If we reach a third overtime, it just becomes Rock'em Sock'em Robots. You get a two-point conversion, you get a two-point conversion, you get a two-point conversion. Now, so Linda, I'll go to you first on this. Which one do you would you currently prefer, college or pro? Because actually there is an argument for both, I think, with the each team actually getting the ball in college.
1: I'm – I think college is – I prefer college. That's the easy answer. Why? Okay, so specifically this weekend when the Bills and the Chiefs played and they went to overtime, the argument for the Chiefs winning that game all weekend long has been that defense wins championships. Well, the defense didn't win the Chiefs' shit, pardon my French, the defense didn't couldn't stop the bills either my proposal is that we play a game of horse with the kickers and they just keep backing up until one of them misses and and then we just move on or the head coach's race
0: <laughs> uh, i do have a a um a r- so all right so um... The captain who lost the first overtime coin toss will either choose to possess or the ball. Let's see. Hold on, That's not what I wanted in the end here. Uh, Oh, the same rules apply at the end of the second and fourth regulation time periods. All right. So basically they just reset. Oh, they reset after two is what I'm seeing right here. If the score is still tied at the end of an overtime period, or if the second team's initial possession has not ended, the teams will play their overtime period. Play will continue regardless of how many overtime periods are needed for the winner to be determined. Um, I think it's the same thing. All right. They said second and fourth overtimes, they switch. We haven't reached this point yet, so let's just presume there's there's nothing after this. Let's just talk about the one overtime that we do have right now. Steven, where do you come down on this? Okay,
2: I'm going to shock you guys. And this is not me being like Skip Bayless, and I'm kind of scared because I think Linda's more passionate about this than I am. But I'm a fan of NFL overtime, and I'll tell you why. Like, college, like the college thing is not football. You put the ball at the 25 yard line, you're practically in the red zone. I realize people like that both teams get the ball, but I just think there's too many college overtimes where you, we, you know, we saw A&M and LSU a couple of years ago that went to seven OTs, which was it sort of entertaining. Yeah, it was. By the end of it, I just kind of wanted Jimbo and Edo to fight at midfield, but. It was also like, okay, let's just get to the end of this. You know, we saw Kentucky and Arkansas years ago. What was the game this year? Was it Penn State and Illinois that went to like yeah, 10 over time?
0: It, it was back and forth. Action. It was just
2: back and forth. I, I get that people are mad about the way that game ended on Sunday. But keep them out of the end zone, Buffalo. Like, keep, like they can kick a field goal, but keep them out of the end zone. I know that's more – I know that's difficult. It's Patrick Mahomes, it's Travis Kelsey, it's Tyreek Hill. But, like, you had – they had the ball with 13 seconds and you couldn't keep them from getting the field goal range. Then you couldn't keep them out of the end zone. You deserve to lose the football game. I'm sorry Josh Allen didn't get to touch the ball. I love it. He is like a robot with just a rocket arm and he's just running around. He's, a, he's built like a tank. But, I mean, I, I don't think it's unreasonable to say if you can't keep that team out of the end zone on the first possession, that ends the ball game. And I feel like it keeps us from a lot of gimmicky finishes.
1: But then that means, it, okay, in playoff football, 11 overtimes, 10 of them have been decided because of a coin toss, seven of which were decided on the first drive. That's over that is 60% true. finishes in the playoffs. I'm not saying, like, for regular season, I don't give a shit. Tie, do whatever you want. I don't care. Right. In playoff football, the teams are so evenly matched, it's absolutely unfair. Both defenses – could not stop anything from happening. If Josh Allen and the Bills win that coin toss, the Bills win that game. Period. I don't think there's any argument against it. Sure, don't do don't do extra points. Skip extra points altogether in overtime. You have to get a two-point conversion. If you don't, other team gets a chance. If they get the two-point conversion, they win. Go back and forth that way. Still have to go to the length of the field, you know, full kickoffs, I don't care. But I think it's insane to not give Both like, like, let me mix both NFL and college overtime because NFL players, especially in the playoffs, don't need to be playing seven overtimes. They're going to have to play. Especially now we've added the game. I get that. Now we've added the the game. We've added the playoff round. I get the safety concerns, but from a, the NFL is an entertainment business. And from an entertainment standpoint, as soon as the Chiefs won that coin toss they turned the game off, it was over. I knew they were going to score a touchdown. There was no point to finish the game. From an so, entertainment standpoint, I think it's bad. I'm,
0: that exact point I was going to make. That was the exact thing I was going to say. And I, I, I think about this too when I think about other sports as well, right? You got to think about it from an entertainment product, uh, product standpoint. I cover baseball. It doesn't need a hitter, right? We do not need pitchers out there hitting. It makes no sense. So that is why we need a DH because it is somebody else out there who, you know, who who deserves to be out there doing what they should do professionally. To that extent, that applies. Apply what kind of logic now to the NFL, right? We want to see both these teams get their shot to do what they do. The point you made, Linda, about both teams—if we're playing to a playoff, we're in playoffs. We have played to a draw through through sixty minutes. What we're saying, this is not—you know, uh, this is not Pittsburgh and Detroit tying in the regular season. This is, we're in the playoffs, we're trying to decide who the best team is to move forward to continue playing for a championship. It is important that we let these teams fully express themselves, I guess is the right way to say this, right? Each team should get a chance to express their offense, express their defense, express their special teams, if you will, express their, their short yardage abilities. I, I'm with you on this. I think, I think Steven, to Stephen's point, I, I do understand it, but the idea that everybody needs to get a shot. Now I think with the 10 minutes, it doesn't matter as much, but I would be extended to 15. I would require the rule of going for two. I completely agree with that. I will say, I was listening to Bill Simmons podcast the other day. and I want to know what you guys think of this idea. So an old Patriots code suggested that let's just say a team wins the coin toss and they have the ball and they go down and score. Right. How would you guys feel if they said, all right, they scored in seven plays. Other team, you now have seven plays to go down and score. Now there's there's no there's a the problem here would be that what happens if you intercept the ball, uh, it's like, all right, what are the parameters then? Maybe you just say, you know, whatever team scores kind of sets the rules. I don't know. But I think that's an interesting idea. I think there's ways to get creative. I'm not sure we have to get too far off the rails, but like I think there's pretty clear what we're doing right now is not good enough. So but what's like what's the what's the solution? Are we playing like a fifteen minute quarter?
2: So okay, so the bills go down and score. So then what happens? They okay, get, but the, the Chiefs get the ball again
1: and it, then we do yeah. it
2: like at what point does do we call it? Like what's the until what's somebody the
1: doesn't end? convert on a two two point conversion? And <laughs> also for <laughs> all the for all the Chiefs fans that are like defense wins championships, then why are you so worried about putting your defense out against Josh Allen? <laughs> I'm not talking specifically to you but uh-huh. i've seriously been having this argument for like 48 hours and i'm starting to get a little bit- well it, it's just I, I think we're at a point
0: now where it's pretty clear it's like all right it the nfl here's what I, here's the thing they're close right they're really close like if you take out the heads or tails at the beginning we're in, now if you you actually don't have to take that part off if if you just have the heads or tails decide who gets the ball first and there is a somebody gets the ball second, it's it's fine. We're actually okay, right? They're a lot closer than college football, who has been like 25, 25, next time go for two. Now we're just going for two. It's like this is not football. This is horseshit is what that is. Like did you guys watch the end of that Illinois game? That Illinois-Penn State game? was yeah. horrendous because they were just running the same plays repeatedly. You don't have that many two point plays. It's, it's at least my understanding. Like, you don't have like a, a bunch of two point plays that you're running. Like, at some point you're like, I guess we'll just try the a gap run. Like, is that what I guess what we're going to do right here? <laughs> that's what we're going to do right here. Stevie, no, you know I, mean? I get it. I just like, my thing is,
2: and I understand Linda, that's a, it's a very good point. And I saw that earlier this week. That's like 60% of the time, the team that wins the coin toss wins the game in these situations I just don't think it's too ridiculous to ask the defense to keep somebody out of the end zone. Like, I feel like that's a decent benchmark. And from the entertainment standpoint, like, that game was on for almost four hours. I mean, I, I, like, it was a good game. I don't they really feel like anybody's saying, oh, man, I really missed out on a lot of Bill's Chiefs. Right. I need to watch 60 Minutes. Like, they had a good feature on whoever snitched on Ann Frank last <laughs> week. There's some other good stuff, I feel like, on that show. <laughs> um, it was a great weekend of football. I just – I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not going to be upset if they adjust the overtime rules. I just think the NFL rules are
1: okay. I I can take okay. I just think um, – I had a lot of people tell me, like, well, rules are rules. Yeah, no shit. Well, we changed them in 2011. I'm just, like, they're better <laughs> than those rules. But, like, to, to insinuate that because it's a rule it can't ever change, like, we don't add or change rules in the NFL every offseason – wasn't all I saw all or all season was people complaining about the taunting rule. And now I just want to go back and be like, rules are rules.
0: So like, are we shocked? I, I'm, I'm shocked. And they, they didn't give Tyree kill a, a penalty.
1: Yeah. Wild. Like
0: giving the peace sign to a guy that is ahead of you is a hundred. No, I'm hundred percent. Okay. With you, but like it is 110% taunting like that. Taunting. Like <laughs> that has been taunting all season long. Once again, as a chiefs better, not upset, not, not mad. They didn't, they didn't call that. Um, but yeah, that was, that, that was, that was an interesting move by Tyree kill. So to the, to the, to the, to the, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Linda.
1: I just want to say to Steven that I agree that the defense, like I'm not saying that the defense didn't blow the game. I just also can acknowledge that the overtime rules, in my opinion, are trash.
2: No, I get it. I just, I feel like it's all like, it's, it's an imperfect system. So if you're asking me, which one does it better, I think it's the NFL. But I'm like, I'm fine with giving the Bills
0: another shot and have the football. All right, so, yeah, because I that's once again, it's like it's an imperfect it's gonna be imperfect anyway, I guess, any way you look at it. But like it could be functionally fine if we just change the rule and say, all right, you get a chance to respond. You know what I mean? Like whatever happens to the offense, the, the team that was on defense first gets a chance to respond. That's how it's gonna work. College, on the other hand, like messy. <laughs> so a couple things. I understand not wanting a seven overtime game. The the number of occurrences that we're getting these games, like like I wouldn't actually consider Illinois versus Penn State a true seven overtime game or however many it was, because they were just exchanging two-point plays. Yeah. So at what point is like it's not really like it's not really a full game. Carolina and Tech a couple of years, North Carolina, Virginia Tech, um did this a couple of years ago. I think they got to five or six. I forgot what theirs was. I think there's a number for me but what I would say is to make sure we don't re- reach that number is I would go from the 40 and the 40. That's what I would do. And at the certain at a certain point, okay, maybe we go from, you know, let's just say we're three or four overtimes in. Maybe we go from the 15 to the 15 and it's like third down or second down, right? You know what I mean? You know, if if because it does reach a certain point where I, I'm not comfortable putting unpaid labor out in the field for a, you know, LSU, LSU, A&M can't happen again. No, right? I like that. And I think like putting
2: my, one of my issues with college is you're automatically in field goal range. So it's like, yeah, you, exactly. you have to work to not be able to at least score a point. I you know no college kickers as Linda knows very well, it that's always an adventure and a 42 yard field goal is not, is not a gimme. Um, and I do think, like, yeah, maybe maybe the solution is you get to the second or third overtime and it's, you can't kick anymore. It's, okay, we started at 25, you have to score a touchdown. And you have to go forward on fourth down. Um, but I feel like there's a way to make it shorter without going to basically penalty kicks, which is what they're essentially doing yeah, now. That is, is effectively
0: – but here's – but once again, the reason why <laughs> – this is a problem with college's versus the penalty kicks. It doesn't end the game. It actually doesn't end the game. Yeah. Most, it didn't end the game this year in that mm-hmm. situation when we actually saw it, it, like it it didn't really accomplish because penalty kicks. It eventually does end the game, right? It, it's not that taxing. We can't have soccer players out there into the 150th minute running around. Like, you know, cause you're not playing soccer at this point. You're surviving. We don't want players out there surviving, which was the end of the a LSU game. So, and I, I, to your point, the 40 yard line, 45, 40 yard line to me feels pretty fair. That does put you in range of like, five percent maybe of fps kickers right on a nice day on a good day maybe if you're lucky so linda what are your thoughts about how college should be rearranged
1: yeah i like backing it up a little bit i think 25 is probably giving uh given a little bit too much to the uh winner of the coin toss you know just like right out of the gate right 40 yards back gives you a chance to set up more plays it's I think it's a much more variable distance in terms of like what can happen to get into the end zone. Like you said, like college kickers are never a guarantee uh, but 25, 25 out, you know, close 30 and in that feels pretty safe. 32 in for college kickers is usually pretty safe. Anything 40 plus, you're looking at potential disaster. So it's an easy way to take that, uh option out of it for for coaches all right one more quick word from our sponsors here before we wrap up
0: the show today's show is brought to you all by Netsuite from oracle uh guys this is it this is the putt to win the tournament if you sink it the championship is yours but you're on your backswing your hat falls over your eyes is this how you're running your business i hope not that'd be really bad if it was. Uh, switch to NetSuite by Oracle. Over twenty-eight thousand businesses already use NetSuite for the new year. They are offering a new financing program for those ready to upgrade at NetSuite.com slash lock. That's NetSuite.com slash L O C K E D. Once again, head to NetSuite.com slash locked for the special one of a kind financing program. Uh, offer right now once again netsuite.com slash live right, we're gonna talk basketball we're, we're kind of out of time at this point um you know we, we just we can't help it we love football we're, we're football junkies here on this show uh, all right to to wrap up steven give us your championship weekend picks in the nfl who is going to be playing in the super bowl
2: Ooh yeah i'm gonna take uh chiefs niners you know i really like cincinnati and I'd love to see Joe Burrow get in. I just can't see that Bengals offensive line uh, holding up the way it did against Tennessee and them pulling off another victory. And uh, San Francisco, it'll be interesting. I want to see Kyle Shanahan in that running game. against a team that can really stop the run. But, yeah, I like uh, like San Fran. They just kind of feel like a team of destiny right now.
1: Uh, Linda, go ahead. If Sam Fran wins, it's just like the nail in the coffin of quarterback or that wins or a quarterback stat with Jimmy G at the helm. But um I'm taking He did make some big throws. He did make some big throws to his credit. Okay. The uh I <laughs> take uh, I'm taking the Rams. I love Matthew Stafford. I'm all for the redemption arc. And uh I I can't in good faith pick the Chiefs because I'm a Broncos fan. So it's Joe Burrow and Evan McPherson, baby.
0: Uh, road game for the, uh, Rams again at home, which will be great for them. They'll really enjoy that. Um, I'm conflicted here too. Cause I'm, I don't want to say any more Jackson Mahomes stuff. Uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm like the rest of Twitter. We're over it. We're just really over it. Um, I think Patrick Mahomes might be over it too. So I'm cheering for Joe Burrow. The chiefs are like, just an absolute freaking machine. I've been saying this for weeks, even, even after the Bengals game, I was like, look, this is, this feels like the team to me. On the NFC side, I should tell you guys something real fast. Like, people always say this game, this game comes down to blocking, tackling. San Francisco is like anytime, anywhere, any place will be tougher than you. We don't care what the weather is. They, they are the toughest sons of bitches I've ever seen in my life. Like that game in the in the snow. I mean, I'm sure you guys saw this Rogers quote that's been circulating around. Where he said a couple of years ago after they lost, we'd love to get one of these at home, right? We'd love to get one of these. 15 degree weather, it's a bit different. Turns out it's not. Trent Williams just running folks over. Absolutely love it. Jimmy G, like you guys tell, they can actually, they actually do believe in him. There is a, there's a certain belief in like Robbie Gold being like, you're a legend, man. You're a legend. It's just like, no, Robbie, you're the legend. But still, we appreciate you telling Jimmy G that. that. There is a certain belief level there with, with, with them and with J- and Jimmy G. And I actually think he's pretty tough. Like that drive, I mean, he he kind of just got nutted up and got it done. Like, I, like lack of a better term, right? I mean, well, as someone who is also incredibly
2: handsome and bad at their job, I respect and admire Jimmy <laughs> G. We're in this together,
0: brother. All right, uh, Stephen, where can people find you? Oh, so for me, it's 49ers and it's um, – I, I want to but it's going to be 49ers versus the Chiefs rematch. Uh, all right. I'm okay. writing it down. I'm writing
1: it down. We're gonna revisit it.
0: <laughs> I'm I'm going to bet on the Rams because I want Matt Stafford to win really badly, but Shanahan owns his number, McVeigh's number right now. All right, uh, Stephen, where can people find you and your work and all of
2: its variety? At Simcock Stephen on Twitter. Show is at Locked On TCU. And yeah, well, I'm glad we didn't talk basketball. We'll discuss TCU blowing a tire against Texas on Tuesday night at some point. Uh, and the the show is Locked On Horn Frogs. Thank you as always, Josh, for letting us plug.
0: Yes, Linda.
1: Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Lindellians. I promise I'm not always this aggressive, and it's uh, Locked On Coats like on all your podcasts.
0: We like it when you're this aggressive.
1: This like, is like a, the most rogue group of the Locked On you. This, is, this <laughs> yeah.
0: is the rogue group. Yes. This this is the off the tracks group. It's great. Uh, all right. You guys can find me on Twitter at LO Big 12. It's like this fits the show. You can find me personally at Josh Neighbors underscore. You can find us on YouTube and wherever you guys get your podcasts. looked up Locked On Big 12. Please. Hit that subscribe button. Uh, Send us your hate and like the show when you send us your hate uh, in the comment section below. All right, friends. Until next time, as always, stay safe, everybody out there right now.